0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall. And today, I have Paul Rivella on the podcast. Hopefully, you've heard of Paul. If you haven't, you're going to discover someone and you're going to want to go follow him. And today, we're talking about his experience working with bikini athletes, particularly in the NPC and the IFBB and also Naturals and how he gets them into incredible shape and some of the challenges they face and how to tackle those. And also we talk about the progressive linear load, how he came to discover this way of peaking, why he likes it, and essentially how to apply it to people. So guys, definitely enjoy this episode. And if you're interested in contest prep, learning more about that, definitely check out our contest prep ebook. It's a fantastic resource where we talk a lot about the things that we talked about in this podcast as well. Enjoy the podcast and I'll catch you soon. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Revive Stronger Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall. And today, I'm very happy to have Paul Revelia on the podcast. Uh, I've been following Paul for a heck of a long time, actually. And I'm surprised it's taken me this long to bring him on. Uh, I don't know where I first ho- heard of Paul, but I would hear his name regularly. I think it was on Lane Norton's old podcast where he would give Paul a shout out within like the, the credits or uh, within like an advert. And I was like, who's this Paul guy? And then obviously found Paul and was like, oh, this is why Lane's really giving him props. And I imagine you don't get those props anymore because you've come a long way since then and have built an incredible business with lots of coaches, uh, been the owner of Pro Physique Inc., and uh, I imagine a lot of people listening will know your name, know of you and your work. And uh, you've been pretty prolific, actually, uh, looking over everything. And it, it's really exciting to actually get this opportunity to talk to you, Paul. So I don't know if you want to give the listeners maybe a quick summary or background of yeah. who you are, how you got where you are today. Uh, and then we can dig into some fun topics.
1: Yeah, so... um from the perspective of like, you know, being a coach or being involved in in the fitness world, I first reached out to Lane in 2007 because I wanted to do a bodybuilding show. And he had a video series on his, um, on bodybuilding.com called Life of a Natural Pro, where he coached a bodybuilder to a pro card in natural bodybuilding. And I thought, wow, I want to do that. Um, And I reached out to him and he messaged me back and um, he, uh, he coached me to my first bodybuilding show in 2008. All along the time when this was happening, there was kind of this movement going on, at least on the message boards and the forums back then on bodybuilding.com about, you know, what is the best way to be in contest prep? Do you need to be on like a meal plan or can you just track macros? And back then it was, you know, that's ridiculous. You can't just do macros. Um, But I saw Lane's results and I thought, well, I'm going to follow this guy. And so I ended up doing an entire prep based on macros Meanwhile, all my friends at the gym thought I was ridiculous. Um, and I ended up winning the show. I did a an NPC bodybuilding show. And, you know, I'm 6'3", and I was about 200 pounds on stage. So, you know, far from a massive guy, but I was absolutely shredded. I won the show. Um, and then I guess I, I started to build a little bit of a reputation as a guy who comes in in shape when he competes. And so uh, I, I came back the next year in 2009 and won a pro card. And. Um, And then I competed again in 2012 as a pro. So, you know, I started all this time I was, you know, kind of involved in the sport. Lane ended up moving to where I lived in Florida. He and I became really good friends. Um, And that's about the time when Lane's career kind of took off. He became probably, if not the most well-known nutrition coach in the world, one of them. And he was reaching a point where he couldn't even keep up with his emails, like not, not just his clients, but the requests of his time. And so what he actually suggested was that I come be a coach and he would send me clients. And I said, no, I, that's not something I'm interested in. You know, I had a career, I was in the it field. Um, but after, you know, maybe a few months or whatever, I, I finally agreed to coach one kid. He said, this kid paid a coach the guy stole his money. Will you coach him for free? And I said, sure. Coached him for free. I said, what does he have to lose? <laughs> you know uh, he ended up doing very well. And um, at the end of it, I realized, you know, I was at the show and I was like, man, I really like this. Like, this is, the kid was very happy. His mom was very happy Think, You know, they were very thankful. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time was like, well, you're really good at this. Maybe you should, you know, maybe you should listen to lane and get involved. So, you know, it started with one client and two became four and four became eight. And, you know, it just kind of, it kind of, I guess around 2012, 2011, 2012 is when, I started actually making more money via my coaching business than I was on my career, which I had been doing for, you know, 12, 13 years. And that's when, you know, it became apparent. Okay. We started the business pro physique. My wife and I um, came up with the name, bought the domain and, and, you know, just thinking we'll see where this goes within a few months, you know, I had quit my job. Um, My wife and I moved to another city. So kind of, forced me to go all in on the business because we moved for her career. And I thought, well, I'll do this for a little while. Then I'll go back to my career. That's been 11 years and I've never gone back. And, um, now pro physique has, I think we have 22 coaches that work for us, um, probably upwards of 30 employees, you know, between all of our, you know, support staff here at the office or the, the digital people that help out, you know, all around the country. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a full on business and my coaching business has reached a point where now I'm, you know, one of the best bikini prep coaches in the world. I, I had a girl finish sixth at the Olympia this year. Amazing. Um, and I've had lots of girls turn pros win overalls and these kind of things. So, you know, I'm, I'm still fighting the good fight to be the best prep coach that I can be. Um, but you know, that's where the last couple of years have been and Along the way, I started making YouTube videos, not thinking anything of it. Yeah. Thinking, oh, I'll just answer questions for my clients. Some of those videos ended up doing very well. And I'm about to hit 300,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is mind-blowing. That's big. Because um, I remember when I hit 5,000, how excited I got. Um, and then, you know, I do Instagram as well. But that's where most people know me, between a podcast, a YouTube, and Instagram, or some of my competitors.
0: It's really cool to hear about your background and how almost – this online coaching found you versus you kind of wanting to reach out to it which is kind of nice to hear about it is similar to me in terms of like it kind of found me versus me finding it whereas now i don't know everyone's trying to be it feels like everyone's trying to be an online coach whereas i started in 2014 so a couple of years after you but it was not a huge business, uh, at that time. So it's amazing to hear that you've got to a point where you have over 20 coaches. That's, that's fantastic. And yeah, I think over the last few years, I've definitely seen you as like one of the top people bringing in a lot of women to come kind of do incredibly well in, in the field. So that, that's really cool. And I definitely want to chat a bit more about that, but you were, yeah, were going to say, yeah,
1: I'm an open book, man,
0: for sure. <laughs> and actually something I I'm very interested to talk about, maybe, Actually, maybe we'll talk about, because you brought it up, actually, in terms of coaching women, what initially, actually, what do you think leads women to you? Like, uh, obviously, you're a, a guy, uh, a lot of women maybe yeah. want a female coach or what have you. And I don't know, you're you obviously, I imagine coaching more women than men at this point. Do you know what led to that? Do you have an, an idea or a feeling? Yeah,
1: I, I, uh, yeah, and it's it's a question that over the years, it's kind of, You know, I've pondered it a lot because it was definitely not my intention. When I started coaching, it was almost exclusively male natural bodybuilders, right? So I was a competitive natural bodybuilder. And when people would reach out to me, it'd be because they saw a picture of me and they said, Hey, this guy knows how to do this. And then I know then I'd have a client turn pro Oh, this guy knows how to do this. So I started to get a really good reputation as a a pro natural bodybuilding coach, um, the reason I got into coaching the bikini division in the NPC and the IFBB was initially Lane had a few girls reach out to him, right. in the NPC and the IFBB. And he was at a point in his coaching business where he just couldn't, he literally couldn't even take on clients. So he referred me a couple and, you know, I think it still persists to this day, but the idea of coaching women differently than men, Hadn't occurred to a lot of people. They were giving kind of the same protocols, the same ridiculous nutrition plans, the same training plans. Whereas, you know, Lane, myself, our contemporaries, we really cater our coaching to the people that we're working with. And the difference between men and women, at least in my experience, if I take a guy and I I coach him and he goes and wins a pro card, um, he might post one picture. Over the course of six months, guys just tend to not be as communal in their coaching. You know, we're kind of to ourselves, we do it for us. What I've noticed with women is that they tend to be more about the community, right? So girls will talk to their friends, their friends will do their preps with them. And so when I started having success with female competitors, what I would notice was like immediately all their friends would want to be coached by me right, so this is this is literally how it happened. I had a girl get a pro card, and within a few months, I just noticed you know lots of inquiries coming from that direction um and it it just it fits my philosophies and and style of coaching, you know um very well, and I think the bikini division when it came around, I mean I thought it was ridiculous too, in two thousand nine when I saw a bikini show, I was like, this is ridiculous. these girls are in like off the rack bikinis and they don't even look like they work out to where now it is yeah i mean just an amazing sport of girls with amazing amounts of muscle. you know the the balance between you know muscularity shape conditioning fullness all those things um for me it's it's obviously my favorite division um and so it's just it's just fit my philosophies as a coach very well and like i said the girls just come in they come to be a part of the community. And it's something I've really focused on is building the community of pro physique. And that's, you know, that's where we are now.
0: Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. And I've done a few kind of online group coaching programs before, and it's very often the women that are a bit more involved and want to get more involved. And the guys just kind of like, leave it to themselves and get on with it. But I think it also speaks to you. And I mean, you get results and that's ultimately what it comes down to when like people see you and you you're doing really well with the women and they want a part of that so i think that just speaks a lot of credit to your coaching and something i'd I'd love to speak about and obviously you said this like you cater your coaching i think a lot of unfortunately a lot of male coaches treat women like little men and it's just like yeah they just push them in and the, i think that's why initially lane probably got a lot of the the women influx to him because he saw this and he wanted to repair it and you've done a, a great job of kind of continuing that what what do you see as kind of the main challenges for females versus men because i guess uh some i would immediately think to is like just the the fact that they're so much smaller and they demand so few calories and that that is a challenge in terms of i don't know you hear people saying oh you shouldn't go under a certain number of calories but what are the the harsh realities do you find for some women that they have to kind of face through with a prep?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing I noticed with with women that would come to me from other coaches was you know, say you have a hundred and twenty pound female, you know some guys might have them on two hundred grams of protein um and I'm like, wow, like that just is so wasted as far as calories are concerned, and so if you take a little girl and have them on 200 grams of protein not only is it unnecessary but it really causes a lot of digestive distress
0: yeah
1: um and and if girls are having trouble digesting their their nutrition um it can have some downstream effects hormonally um I pay a lot of attention to their stress their recovery um I really believe in a push and and pull approach to to prepping as in push hard a little bit, pull back and recover a little bit um whereas I think you know, at least, especially when I was coming up and, and maybe to this day, you know, a lot of people looked at prep as like 12 weeks, just go all out. You just day one, double cardio on the stairs, no carbs, you know, like, uh, you know, we, we take our time, we do longer approaches. And I've, I've been lucky and blessed to be around people in the, in the fitness kind of education space, you know, people like Eric Helms, um, who was, someone I competed with, you know, early on in my early years and who, you know, he's gone on to do his PhD. And, you know, people like that have opened my eyes to things like diet breaks, multiple day refeeds. Um, You know, I myself went back to school and started studying exercise science. And I noticed that there was a lot of misinformation around things that we do in the gym. And I think just kind of boiling it down to things that work and don't work um, for females has, really allowed me to have a lot of success with them. I you know, I pay it very much I pay attention to their overall well-being throughout the prep. You know, it's not just like here's your prep, good luck. It's you know, with our check-ins, I'm sending a video every week. I'm asking follow-up questions, um trying to understand the role of stress, sleep, recovery along the way because ultimately you, you got to have a happy person to be successful in prep and so maybe that's it. Um you know, I think I'm uniquely qualified in some ways because i'm very empathetic i i really try as best i can to get inside other people's heads and understand what makes them tick and happy and that that has helped me and i realized you know i realize, you know 46 years old now that not everyone's like that but that's that's the way i am i'm very keen and aware of everyone around me in a room in any situation and i think that helps me understand my clients
0: i really resonate a lot with that uh and I don't want it to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but it's, I feel very similar. Like I'm a very empathetic person. Uh, Kind of some people would, I don't know, think I'm a soft touch or something, but I just like to put myself in someone else's shoes and doing the video check-ins is a a big part for me. And I would say, yeah, women seem to enjoy maybe that component a bit more than some guys are a bit robotic. You give them a program, they just do it. They tick the boxes, but that not everyone's driven that same way. And I really like that holistic approach like just from my own perspective i enjoy doing it that way and i couldn't do it any other way in terms of coaching whereas i know a lot of people are like a bit more hands-off so it's very interesting to hear that that ultimately that probably drives better results with a lot of kind of females where they actually they just do do much better with that style of coaching where they feel like they're involved they're listened to probably in a way you're a bit of a a therapist, even though we're not, we're not obviously qualified. Well, you might be, but I I don't think you are. I'm definitely not. Yeah. We're um, not therapists, but it, it can be a bit therapeutic.
1: Yeah. I definitely think that there is some value there. Um, and I'm almost shocked sometimes when I have, you know, girls reach out to me and inquire with me and they've been with a coach for a year or two and they've never even had a phone call. They've never had a conversation, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm very invested in my clients. And so i it's almost like a, a give and take, like whatever, whatever they put out, I give yeah. that back, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, but that's the only way I could coach and enjoy it. If it was just, I could probably make a lot of money just sending out plans and yeah. being cookie cutter. And that for some people that'd be fine, but I, I actually would not sleep well. I, I, yeah. you know, I like to really, that's why I go to the shows every weekend. I'm, there's nothing like being at a show with the client to give you some insight on how you're doing as a coach.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And actually, I think uh, I'd be remiss not to ask you because I think people will be interested in this like push and then pull back. Refeeds have obviously been something that have been spoken about for a good number of years, diet breaks have become kind of more popular as well. And there are some people, obviously, there was Bill Campbell's research recently, and that kind of went back and forth. Is it just psychological? And I know, particularly, Eric has spoken about it for females, where he does see correlations with when he uses refeeds more frequently with them, they maintain their menstrual cycle more so throughout a prep versus when he hasn't is is that something you found if you've maybe just describe your push and pull kind of how you'd like to go about that during a contest yeah so
1: i'll give you like a, a kind of a broad let's say it's like a 18 week 20 week prep broad approach so the beginning of prep i don't use refeeds right so we're just switching into like a a fat loss phase right so we'll we'll bring the calories down we'll bump up the cardio get the caloric deficit going we'll get fat loss moving for a while Once we reach a point where, all right, we've lost some body fat, but I'm starting to feel like our calories are low enough that there are some depletion days going on, you know, days where the, the weights feel heavy and, you know, hunger is starting to tick up a bit, might be six, eight weeks into prep, then we'll start with a single day refeed, um, and then the next time I have to adjust, I'll probably move to a double day refeed. This is probably the bulk of prep for me is five low days, two consecutive high, high carb days. Um, and just so you guys have like an, an idea, let's say someone's on like 140 carbs for their low days, their high days might be 230, right? 240, two days in a row, right? Um, that's going to be the bulk of prep. Now, when we reach a sticking point and everyone reaches a sticking point, um, it just depends how aggressive we have to get. I do not like to go, you know, for most girls below their body weight in carbohydrates. Once you go below your body weight in carbohydrates, what I find happens is the body starts to really start to conserve energy. Um, And by that, I mean, yeah, you might be eating less and you might be doing more cardio, but the rest of the day, you're going to conserve energy like a mother. And, And so you're basically just trading lifestyle activity for cardio and low calories. So instead what I'll do, is I'll say, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'll make up a client name. This is Sarah. Sarah Sarah's doing 45 minutes of cardio and she's on 140 carbs and she's dropping weight, but we've stalled here. And so what I'll say is I'll say, hey, Sarah, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, nothing. I'm like, hey, do you want to make a push? Sure. All right, Sarah, for two days in a row, we're going to do 45 minutes AM and PM cardio. And we're going to drop your carbs down to 100 grams just for two days. But when you're not doing cardio, I want you to go for three walks. I want you to get 10,000 steps outside of your cardio. That should take you another hour. You can go to the park. You can go to the zoo. You can walk your dog. You can go to the mall, whatever it is. I want you to, And, and sometimes I'll even say, hey, I want you to do something that's going to reduce your anxiety and stress. Could be laundry, right? But that type of movement. So for those two days, they know, okay, I only got to do this for two days. Might be hungry, might be, you know, might have to suffer a little bit. And then I'll say on Monday and Tuesday, we're going to do no cardio bring the carbs back up to 150. And um, we'll check in on Wednesday. And without a doubt, that goes very well, right? So how extreme does that get? It just depends how much body fat we have left, how much time there is left in prep, how the response to that goes. Um, Sometimes girls will check in on Monday and be like, coach, I feel great. Can we do it for one more day? Sure. So, you know, it's, it's very much about, you know, you know, trusting them and listening to your clients as well. You know, and I, I realize that everybody's different, but sometimes I say, yeah, like let's trust your instincts. Let's go with it. Right. And then they'll, the next day they'll check in and be like, yeah, that was too much. I'm, I'm exhausted now. So, you know, it's that, that's the kind of push pull is I'll give them two or three days to just get what I consider very aggressive. And honestly, if you're going to compete in a bodybuilding show, you're a little bit crazy anyway. And you usually want to do that stuff.
0: Hey, Pascal here. I just wanted to take the moment to talk about our membership site. Inside, you'll find a thriving forum, an extensive exercise library, courses, presentations, and research reviews. All I need you to do is hit the link in the description below and sign up. That's re- It's really interesting, actually. I guess this is based off your experience. If you were to, like, protract that and average it out, so through the week, like, the averages were all the same, yeah. you get better response from more aggressive days and more like and coming up so like yeah I, I guess like of the push and pull i would have
1: to say it wouldn't even be close wouldn't very even interesting be close because because like what i told you about with the conservation of energy with the production of hormones with the ability to sleep better you know you're just kind of toggling these switches that allow the body to kind of move forward um there's definitely alarm bells that go off in your body when your calories get low and body fat gets low where you just start to do things that you don't even realize you're doing until prep is over. And you're like, yeah. Oh, I've, I used to do this and I don't do it anymore. Like I used to play ping pong or I used to take the stairs or, I used, you know, like, and you don't even do those things anymore. Yeah. You don't even realize it.
0: And I actually, you mentioned it steps there. So that is something you have your females or, I mean, any of your clients, you're monitoring steps, giving them kind of targets to achieve.
1: Yeah. Well, well you know, something I realized, you know, years ago is like, um, I'll give you a great story. So I had a client that could not lose weight. I kept adjusting her plan and she wouldn't lose weight. And then one week she checked in and she was down six pounds. And I said, "What? what did you do? She's like, I got a new job. I'm like doing what? I'm a cocktail waitress in a casino. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, well, what were you doing before? She's like, Oh, I was sitting at a desk as a receptionist. So she literally went from sitting at a desk to walking six hours a day and lost six pounds. And that was an aha moment for me. It's, There's no such thing as, you know, what what do they call it where you you can't lose body fat because you're not eating enough, like they call it like starvation mode or something Yeah, that doesn't exist, what exists is our bodies have a, uh, you know, hypothalamus that says man, we do not have enough body fat and enough calories, we like, I don't even want you reaching for the remote control, like we've all been there where we're so exhausted the remotes on the other side of the couch and we just watch the stupid show that's on. If you can prevent that from happening, you can keep fat loss moving. Um, And you know, it's funny, like anxiety, stress, those things can actually help you in prep because when we're mad, when we're anxious, when our brain's on something else, you're not hungry and you'll, you'll, you'll have more energy to move. Um, So, you know, that's when I started saying, maybe I should start paying attention to what people's daily step counts are. So I don't usually prescribe a step count. I usually ask what it is and then just say, let's just make sure we don't go below that.
0: Cool. Yeah. No. That that makes a ton of sense. I always reflect upon my first prep in 2014. I had no. I wasn't tracking steps. I had no real awareness of what neat was, and I was working as a one-on-one PT, and I'd just be like sitting behind the desk, sitting on the the kind of at the computer and doing work on there, versus like being up and about and on my feet. And my cardio just kept having to go up and up and up. My calories had to come down, and I realize in hindsight now I was just getting super lazy, and it was just. I was looking, I'd let myself sit down. I'd kind of seek to be lazy and I just had no awareness of it. And it makes a huge yeah. difference, like you said there. Uh, in terms of, uh, you said you don't like uh, carbohydrates to glow, below like a gram. Is that a gram per pound or kilo, I guess? Yeah,
1: yeah. I realize if you're talking about kilos, what is that, 2.2?
0: Yeah, cool. Gram so, per-
1: so like for, let's say for a 120 pound girl, that'd be what she'd be like 60 kilos maybe. So it, it'd be like, yeah, 2.2 her body weight so yeah
0: is there a kind of an amount of cat like for most of your women getting to stage is there an average amount of kind of cardio they need to do and how for how low do their calories have to go to some people have unrealistic yeah, I'd say
1: you know this is something I, I i'd love to do like data plotting um it's just hard when you're busy as a coach to do, do the kind of things yeah. like that so i always you know i love like people like brad schoenfeld and the people that are just always doing research but i just think there's you're either a researcher or you're a coach. You can't do both. Um, but yeah, so I, I typically notice that once calories get to about 10 times body weight, and again, this is pounds. So I apologize. Um, I'd have to do the math on that, but let's say someone's at, you know, 110 pounds once their calories get down to 1100, I'm probably doing at least two, maybe three refeed days a week. Right. Um, And I'm a big believer in moving more. So I probably won't lower their calories below that, but I will get them doing AM and PM cardio sessions. But a lot of that can be walking. I'm a big fan of, of walking. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, I would say AM and PM walking. The reason I like both because you just feel better after you walk, you get up and you move and your blood's pumping and you're awake and you're alert. If you're just sitting all day, um, that can just go right in, you know, you can get up in the morning, do your workout and then just don't move the rest of the day. Um, So yeah, I'd I'd say I like AM and PM cardio, not because there's any magic to it because I just like to get people to move more. Yeah. Um, I always notice my clients drop weight when they go on a trip because you get up, you go to the airport, you go through security, you get your bags, you get to the car, you get to the room, then you got to find the gym and, and you know, like you're, you're moving more than you would if you were just in your normal routine. So, you know, um, and Andrew Huberman, I don't know if you follow him much, but he's got some cool YouTube videos and he talks a lot about fidgeting. Um, and it's, it's correlation with people that are at or below, like, you know, they're at healthy body weights, essentially. And he said, they notice in the population of people that tend to maintain their weight easier, they fidget. Like if they get an abundance of calories, they're more active versus people that are overweight, they get a bunch of calories, they're less active. So you can get people to move more. You're typically going to get a good result.
0: Have you ever – it's something I've been experimenting with. This contest prep is using a weighted vest to kind of uh, – for the weight that I lose, I kind of compensate via wearing the vest and try and wear that most of the day. Is there ever something – have you heard of that kind of approach, like of trying to I've use heard of weighted it. power?
1: Um, you know, for myself, I'm rather tall. My back is a, – a, an area that i'd really try to protect i don't think i would wear a weighted vest just because it would weigh yeah. on my shoulders and my traps oh, it does my a spine. lot yeah <laughs> um and i've had a friend my friend brian DeCosta, who um did a prep with me in 2019 i believe and he did something that none of my clients had ever done before he bought a standing desk with like a little treadmill under it yeah and he would walk at like one or two miles an hour all day never had to give him cardio Um, and then he tried that. He said, yeah, I'm going to try this weighted vest. And he was like, the next day he was so destroyed. He couldn't even go to the gym. He's like, it really like wrecked me because the weight, my calves, my ankles, my knees, all that stuff was hurt. So, I mean, it's for, for a bodybuilder, you know, it's pretty simple. You want to focus all your energy around building the muscle, right? Um, getting the fat off should not hurt your body. (laughs) That's the way I like to think of it
0: i think for me i learned quickly that i needed to it's something you taper into so you can adapt to it but you just have to yes the people who end up i don't know trying to use it late in prep and they're like i've lost 20 kilos i'm gonna wear a 20 kilo vest all day immediately and you're destroyed so it's definitely something you have to taper into but i was just of interest when i see people where their calories have to go very low and they're having to do lots of expenditure it's kind of like oh why don't you whack on like a a five kilo vest for those like 5,000 steps that you're going to go and do, you might burn a few more calories that way. And it's a strategy I'm thinking for the smaller individuals who are on less calories, generally women, whether or not it's beneficial for them. But I just wondered if it's anything you'd ever considered, but you're using similar ways to get, it's all about burning extra calories. that's
1: uh, You know, honestly, the, the term metabolism, I think it gets used a lot as a way to say you have a slow metabolism, you have a fast metabolism, but I think back on the times of my life, when I would say I had a fast metabolism and I didn't sit still, I could, I could probably eat five, 6,000 calories a day and lose weight, but I was literally nonstop. I was at basketball practice, baseball practice. I would come home and go to my friend's house and we would play football in the yard. Like I, did I have a good metabolism or was I just a crazy person and never stopped moving? (laughs) And then likewise in my, you know, in my, in my 20s when I got a desk job did I have a bad metabolism because I gained 30 pounds no I just was being a lazy shithead so I I think metabolism gets gets used a lot to just describe our lack of or our increase of movement and so you know the I think the over over time and if you've noticed my youtube content I've really focused this idea on walking and on moving more and if you look at the the research on like the blue zones, which are the six or seven areas of the planet where people's average age tends to reach about a hundred. One of the common traits is that there is a built in kind of need for movement each day, right? They're either, they're they're just moving. They're just, they're just active people. They're not getting in a car, driving to work, sitting at a desk all day. They're, they're walking places.
0: Uh, Do you have enough rough idea of kind of what your average female bikini athlete, what their step count normally is? without the to cardio okay so the the steps that you're counting is cardio that's separate there just general step count because
1: typically i'm going to add some type of an intensity component to okay so yeah i would say once someone gets to about ten thousand steps a day that's about an hour of casual walking that's when i'll say okay instead of adding a whole another twenty thousand steps or something crazy let's walk on an incline because you right. can you know, add a little incline and a little speed and you can really increase the calorie expenditure without increasing the stress. Um, And so I try to find that happy medium where we can do cardio as hard as we can with very little impact to our recovery.
0: So it's more like low to medium intensity. Yeah, a a
1: good example would be like an incline of five and a speed of 3.2. So you're probably burning you know, on the machine, now this isn't, you know, like, but like, if I'm looking at the intensity on the machine, it might say, I'm going to burn about 450 calories an hour. Cool.
0: And you said maybe like 30, 45 minute sessions, maybe. Tw- up yeah. Twice, I'll start
1: prep it? with 15 minutes and then, yeah. you know, then we'll go to 25 then we'll go to 30, you know, so I'll walk it up. Sometimes I'll say, would you rather do, you know, two, two sessions one day, or would you rather do five every day? Right. So, yeah. You know, I try to work around people's schedules because if you can do that, you can really get on a good autopilot with prep. Um, yeah. You don't want people trying to go outside of their normal routine to get stuff done because eventually that's yeah. going to break.
0: Yeah, it's unsustainable for sure. Um, yeah. Something I'm interested in as well is, at least I've seen it a few times and I've definitely not worked with anywhere near close to the number of women you have, but to get often the... The the goal, I guess, for male bodybuilders, it's like getting the shredded glutes. For female bikini, it's that glute ham tie-in. Have you found like oftentimes women will get very lean in other areas before that comes in, and have you ever struggled to get that through for some? Do you have any thoughts on to like? Yeah,
1: I mean, what- you know, men are like women; they're they they all get fat. Dif- They'll get um they get lean differently. So like, um, my most well known bikini competitor is the Raja Hill. Her glutes and hamstrings tend to get lean before her lower back and stomach, which is a problem because in the bikini world, you don't want to have separated hamstrings, right? You don't want to look hard, but we have to go there to get her lower back and her stomach to come in. So for her, what we have to do is get her down to that body weight and get her that lean. And then I actually have her train the day before the show very hard in her hamstrings so that they're sore and they're blurry you know like most bodybuilders before the day of a show they're not going to train legs because your legs get those blur so you know you have to find unique solutions for unique problems most women that's going to be the last thing to come off the glute hamstring is going to be the last thing so i don't usually their lower backs are tight their cores are shredded and they're like well how much more do i have to lose and i'm like well hey i can see it on your hips so we probably got to lose three or four more pounds and you know this is as a natural bodybuilder, this was something that I went through many preps. I would look at myself and be like, I am shredded, turn around from the back. And I'm like, man, I'm not even close.
0: Yeah.
1: It's another six, eight, 10 weeks sometimes from the time you have a completely dialed upper body till that comes off. But that's, you know, something Brian Whitaker taught me was like, you know, when you think you're ready, lose 10 more pounds, Yeah. that's, that's stage lean. And that's kind of the approach I took early on with my competitors. Um, Because when you're stage lean, the body just becomes so much more fun when you're chasing conditioning, you know, too much water, too much carbs, too much sodium can really change your look when you're shredded, even on a bad day, you're shredded, right? And it just becomes so much easier to walk on stage with a little bit of food in you already shredded than if you're a few pounds off and you're trying to not look like you have a few pounds of body fat. So, yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the things that, you know was an advantage for me going into coaching in the NPC is there's not a lot of coaches in the NPC that actually understand how to get somebody lean. A lot of them try to use peak week as a way to kind of manipulate conditioning. I do not. For me, peak week is a just a week of recovery.
0: And actually that, that leads very nicely into the topic I wanted to talk about was the uh, kind of progressive linear load that yeah. I know Dr. Joe kind of, I guess, like formally came up with. And I know you're good friends with Dr. Joe as well. And When I've been researching it, your videos have been cropping up over on YouTube and uh, looking into those. And this is something I have over my career and seasons within competing moved towards the progressive linear load as my peaking strategy and the the way I like to do things. But uh, I'd love to hear, first of all, how you kind of came to decide that that was the way you were going to go. And then we can get into some discussion surrounding what that looks like.
1: Yeah, so... You know, early on in my competing career, I would usually do two, three shows a season, and I would always notice second or third show, I would just look better. Um, and it wasn't any particular change in, in the prep, and I just noticed, like, you know, I would go through the peaking plan with Lane And I would look really good. You know, I always had great success. I've been very fortunate. I've won a lot of shows. Um, But like the next week, I would just go back on my diet and I'm like, man, I look even better this week. And then the next show, I would look even better that week. You know, as long as you didn't blow it out with a 10,000 calorie, you know, cheat, the body would just start to look better and better. So, you know, I started thinking, like, why are we waiting until peak week to do this approach? Um, so I started experimenting, you know, before I had talked to Joe with doing peak week before peak week, for an example, I'd say, Hey, we're going to do a peak week test and everyone would be on board for that. Right. Um, so I started noticing that, th- that the body tended to get leaner and look better on more food. Right. So that was kind of like the the first thought I had. Then I had a bodybuilder by the name of Ray Clark, who is I mean, he's won the Yorton cup. He's, you know, he's just one of the few truly great pro natural bodybuilders you'll ever see. He's literally on stage at 6'1, 25. I mean, he's a monster. Yeah. If you look at any of my videos, if you, you know, if you've seen Ray Clark, he's just, he's just, a. it's, it's laughable when he shows up to a natural bodybuilding show. Um, you know, other than, other than like the world championships, like he, he's one of the few guys that could stand next to somebody like Doug Miller, right? Like, um, so I just always would notice, like, I could never peak him, right? I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I've tried, you know, walking the carbs up, starting, you know, I would do like a high day on Monday, a high day on Friday, I would try just every approach. And I finally, you know, I just got sick of failing. And I reached out to a couple different coaches. Um, and one was Dr. Joe. And I said, Dr. Joe, I've got this guy, I can never nail it. I, You know, I've he's looked great at some shows and terrible at some shows using the same approach. And so we just went through his philosophy on peaking, and he explained to me the problem with, you know, Lane's approach was like a high day Monday, and then you kind of taper down going into the show, and then Friday, you probably have another high day. And he said the problem with that is when you fill everything out on Monday, you're going to look good on like Tuesday or Wednesday, then you're going to start to get really flat again. The problem with having a high day is you actually speed your metabolic rate up you actually speed up your digestion, you have more energy, you burn through your calories faster. So by the time you get to Friday, you you don't know how much you should be eating. So he explained it to me as in think of your muscles as an inflatable balloon. And you want those balloons inflated with the most water and carbohydrates you can get in them without spilling over. So what's the best way to do that? That's to slowly expand the balloon every single day of peak week right? Not to blow it up on one day, let it shrink back down and then try to fill it back out. Never worked. So lo and behold, the first time I did this with Ray is when he had his best show ever at the Yorton. Um, and, he, and he won the heavyweight class. And that was the week I literally walked his carbs up like maybe 20 or 30 a day. And every day he would check in and look better and better and better. And on show day, he woke up. I mean, we probably, you know, someone like Ray that weighs 220 pounds, you know, we could probably, if you did like a rapid backload, like Cliff Wilson likes to do where, you know, you basically just take all the carbs out of the body for three or four days, Ray would probably take a thousand, twelve hundred carbs to fill out. The problem I always had with that is you have to take the digestive system into account. Not, I didn't have a lot of success getting guys to eat thousand grams of carbs in 24 hours. Um, Sleep is interrupted, you know it just became a mess. Whereas like with Ray, I think we had maybe, you know, three to 400 carbs a day before the show. The day before that he had had 250. The day before that he had a 200 the day before that, you know, so his digestive system was ready to go. Yeah. Um, And that, that was the first time that, that I gotta say, that was probably 2016. And then from then I just started applying those principles to my bikini competitors. Now what the bikini competitors really liked was that their weight would drop. Right. So as the food would go up and the cardio would come down and that's another key component. So if we're doing like 45 minutes of cardio on Monday, by Friday, we're doing like 15. Right. And that's just to keep moving and keep digestion good with the bikini competitors. What I noticed was the carbs would go up, the weight would drop. And so they correlate lower weight with success. Right. Um, So then there's this component of confidence. They look better and their weight is dropping and it's, It's one of those things. It's almost like a, if it wasn't real, it would be great marketing, eat more, lose weight, look better. It'd be great marketing, but it's just the fact that it just works that way. And that, that equation of why do people drop weight when they eat more? And I think it literally just, it's just that calories, calories in, calories out, the calories out portion gets changed. The calories in is kind of steady. You're going up. Like if I had 20 carbs, that's 80 calories. It should not cause you to lose body fat. However, it's just enough calories that your digestion is better. Hormones are better. You sleep a little better. You probably have a little more movement, right? A yeah. little bit more fidgeting. And so it's this perfect combination of food's going up, body fat's coming down. You look better and feel better every day. And it, it's for me, it's the gold standard of how I know a competitor is going to do well, because especially in bikini and natural bodybuilding, you've got to be full and very tight. And this allows us to be very predictably full and tight. Yeah.
0: Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was really nicely described and particularly the kind of the balloon concept in terms of like, yeah could quite easily pop like you you've just got this one kind of risky maneuver especially if it's at the end of the week and i guess uh, i mean i particularly for myself um and i imagine it can be the same for a lot of competitors maybe a lot of bikini competitors might be like this where like if you've got a whole week and you're slowly ramping things up things are looking better and better versus like coming into that kind of final end of the week and you just feel drawn out, tired, lethargic, and then you just get a ton of carbs. It's stressful actually having to consume that amount of food and that can play with your mind as well. How are you going to look in the morning? So I find it to be just a very, very de-stressing process. Um, You mentioned training. How, how does training tend to look through that as well? Is that something you're manipulating?
1: So if if a typical show day is Saturday, Monday, Well, I'll do two different. I'll do like a natural bodybuilder and I'll do a bikini competitor. Natural bodybuilder will do our last really hard leg day on Monday, full intensity. Tuesday will be our last full intensity kind of back day. So I do it in uh, the opposite order of the biggest muscles, right? So biggest would be legs. Second biggest would be back. Like Wednesday will be our last full intensity like chest and shoulder day. Thursday and Friday, is circuit work right so the only thing i'm doing thursday and friday is just enough training volume to get a pump to get blood into the muscle keep digestion moving because those are going to be our two highest carb days so i want to gauge how they look in the morning and how they gauge after they train right um typically on thursday they're going to look really good in the morning they're going to look really good when they start working out and they're going to flatten out friday same thing look amazing in the morning as they start working out they're going to get flat by the end of the night they'll probably be a little bit flatter um and that's you know that's going to be our highest carb day the day before the show um i will do just very very light like maybe a couple sets of leg extensions again my my philosophy is i want blood and nutrients going into the muscles especially when we're adding the sodium and carbs i do not want any soreness i don't want any kind of stress no metabolic stress none of that just And, and, and I've, I've experimented with giving people a day off the day before the show, but we're such creatures of habit that the day before the show, if they don't have a workout to do, and even myself, I like going to the gym the day before the show. I look fucking incredible. Like I'm got veins everywhere. You, you know, if you've got a tank top on, people are staring at you. Like it's a nice feeling. Um, so with bikini, it's a little bit different because we're not, We're not so focused on getting on stage striated and vascular, right? So it's a much more moderate approach. So I'll keep their training the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever training schedule they have for those days, it stays the same. Thursday is a full body circuit. Friday, I'll do a full body circuit with one caveat. And this is something that I just started doing over the last year, training the glutes to full intensity. And I know everyone's like, well, why would you do that? Well, what happens when your muscles are sore? They're inflamed. Well, you don't want to inflame muscles because then you can't see the cross striations. Well, with the glutes, you don't flex them. So what I've found is that with our highest carb day and a little bit of inflammation, the glutes can look a little bit fuller. That's your entire back pose in bikini. It's two poses front and back. So I've just found that if they're a little bit sore, very full, it's a nice look. Um, so, yeah,
0: but that's you know, that, that can
1: change from person to person as well.
0: Yeah. Really interesting. I think the general kind of philosophy, like you said, is like, when you're getting near to the stage, it, it's about kind of telling the carbohydrates where to go within the yeah. muscle, train it, get some blood flow, almost like D style, but the specific for the, the female, that's a, that's a very interesting. I've not heard that. Well, that it's just something it's, again,
1: it's what happens when you pay attention, because what I would notice is like girls glutes would look great on Tuesday. And they would get flat and flatter and flatter and they wouldn't look as good on show day. And I'd be like, what did you do Monday? Oh, I did like 20 sets of glutes. And I'd be like, so Tuesday when you sent me those pictures, your glutes were sore. Oh, yeah, I couldn't sit down. Huh. You know, this is what happens when you pay attention as a coach and you just don't send everybody cookie cutter shit. You actually start to notice these little kind of nuances that, you know, as a competitor, you put months and sometimes years into like a few minutes on stage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I want to think like we're doing everything in our power doesn't doesn't guarantee victory. You know, there's so much that goes into, you know, uh, who's on stage. But, you know, I've even had girls that didn't place that well, just thrilled with how they looked, And that's more important to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you mentioned uh, sodium and fluids. And again, another reason I tend to like this approach is because those things can be quite simple. They kind of follow. The same route as carbohydrates do is—is is that what you tend to have going there as well?
1: Yeah. So the week before the show, so let's assume a Saturday show. Friday would be like the highest carb day. The the previous Friday, I would have given them a carb load very similar and a sodium load very similar. So let's say their typical sodium intake is twenty five hundred milligrams a day, and I'll have them the week before on a Friday do four thousand forty five hundred milligrams of sodium with a really high carb load, and then say on Saturday morning, tell me how you look, right. And then we'll go through the process of peaking, which includes Saturday and Sunday, I deplete them. And then I walk the food up. So I kind of already know how it's going to go. They kind of already know how it's going to go. They've already eaten the foods, they know how to get their sodium, they know what, you know, sources to use. Um, And peak weeks, the really the only week in prep where I'm like, listen, you're eating the same foods all week, don't change anything, don't, add or subtract whatever you eat all prep eat that so that sodium is predictable we're tracking our fluids that's predictable the only the biggest variation for me is carbohydrates and sodium Um, and on show day the biggest variable is usually water right so some people will look great with extra water some people will feel you know watery bloated so I find most people, when they don't look good on show day, it's because they're under-consuming water. They might start to pee a lot. That's one of my questions I'll commonly ask is, hey, are you urinating a lot? Yeah, I've been peeing a lot today. Okay, I'll have everybody bring these to the show, uh, aids, pickles, stuff with sodium, because a lot of people think if you drink water, you hydrate yourself. It's not the case. If you're used to drinking 120, 200 ounces of water a day, like some of these competitors, they are de- depleting their you know electrolytes so fast that you can actually flatten the body out by drinking more water so you've got to yeah. throw in some electrolytes potassium sodium with the water can't just drink more water so
0: yeah it's the same with uh, competitors who on show day they change their foods and now they're having yeah. don't know rice cakes with a protein shake or something it's like well now you've, you were previously having like, I don't know, bowl of oats or something with a load of salt in there. You're having like half oh, yeah. a teaspoon of and salt. This is why like-
1: yeah. This is why I started writing like the show day meal plans because I'd be like, what do you eat for breakfast every day? Oh, great. I, you know, you have two eggs, some egg whites and this and that. And do you salt it? Yeah. I say, have that same exact breakfast, right? Because that's what you want. You want the consistency with the sodium. The body can change when you're under 10% body fat or whatever you're at. The body can change by the hour. It's crazy. Anybody that's done a bodybuilding competition knows like you can literally go in the gym looking terrible and walk out feeling like Conan. You know, like it just, it can change in an hour. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Is there anything when like you've been doing the the peaking approach, like the kind of training the glutes the day before the show hard, anything you see people like, Do particularly like well or wrong? Like, is there anything you're like this is something you had? Well, I wouldn't
1: add any new movements, right? So, let's say we're doing a little circuit, and you see a machine you've never seen before, and it's like a lying leg curl, and you know maybe it's a funny angle. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend adding any movements you haven't done. Um, I'd err on the side of under training than I would have even slightly over training. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you just gotta. You know, it's, it's, it can be difficult because you look so good and you feel so good that you want to train a little more, but, re, you know, remind yourself that, that the training is only to continue the, the filling out process. It's not meant to, you know, you can do all the training you want Sunday after the show when you've had some carbs and, you know, but yeah, that one of the, you know, one of the things I end up telling my competitors is like, Hey, like do your job and then go home. Don't get caught up in a conversation, you know, like, you know, you go to these shows and these people are friends cause they know each other on social media and they're, they're at the gym for three hours. I'm like, what'd you do? Oh yeah. I was talking to so-and-so and I forgot to eat my next meal. And I'm like, man, you're, you're not doing your job. Like you dieted for like six months, let's do our job. So, um, you know, that's part of becoming a high level competitor is, you know, blocking all that stuff out until it's time to not block it out.
0: Yeah. And I think something I really like appealed to me about this approach was the fact so many variables are kept quite steady. So you have control over carbohydrates, which is the main variable you're kind of looking at and you you keep your routine kind of the same, just kind of back off a little bit towards the end. And then when show day comes around, like everything is so predictable, you kind of come into show day and not have to worry too much about food. And like you said, it's more about the kind of fluid and electrolytes you find, I guess, from my experience with bikini athletes, that like they have hair, makeup, like tanning. Oh, man. So, with all of that involved, and they have to think about, I don't know, food and things, it, does it have you found it to be simpler on that front as well now?
1: Yeah. So, one of the things that I've actually, this is kind of the newest thing that I've started doing is if things go really well on Friday, right? So, Friday is going to be, let's say, you know, I just posted about Duraja and been talking about her. So, let's say on Friday before the Olympia, she had 270 carb, 50 fat. 110 protein typically i'll have on their peak week plan a meal plan for show day but if everything goes really good on friday this is what i've been saying copy that meal plan exactly whatever you did on friday do it exactly on show day right because this allows us to stay full obviously your metabolism has you know your digestion has done well you woke up on show day looking great all those foods did well for you we're just going to copy and paste and repeat that um and it's got a lot of benefits. So the first benefit is it's going to keep us full on show day. The second benefit is they they saw what they looked like the day before. They probably woke up on Friday, you know, pretty dry and flat. And as they ate, they looked better. Well, great on show day. We know as we eat, we're going to get fuller and better, right? Um, the the perhaps I mean, other than performing your best, the best other attribute would be when the show is over and you just ate 270 grams of carbs and 50 fat you don't even want to go out to eat. I'm telling you. Like a lot of times they're like, eh, "I'm just going to go home." Like there is this like post-show stigma that we get into like, "Where are you going to eat after the show?" And for good reason. You know, part of it's the social aspect. Part of it's like, "Okay, we haven't actually had a real hamburger or like sushi or whatever it is." But I'm telling you, I, the amount of competitors that don't even care to do that anymore and that sets them up for a ton of success and I'll give you a huge secret. Guess what their starting macros are for their reverse diet? The macros they hit on Friday, which is probably more than they started prep with, right? So, you know, the conversation now when people ask me, "Well, what do you do? Do you reverse diet? Do you recovery diet?" I don't do any of it. My girls are eating more at the end of prep than they were when they started prep. Simple. So, I don't need to reverse them. We'll start reversing from there if they want, but that's that's their off-season right there. Like they're eating more than they were to start prep. Um, in some cases, more than they were eating in their off season. And we're going to bring the cardio down to 30 minutes. And I'm telling you, they will maintain their weight or gradually creep it up with that diet 99 out of a hundred times. And it's, you know, I've got tons and tons of case studies now on my clients that go into off season. They've already, they have never lost their cycle, right? Because we did diet breaks along the way. They reversed into the show. They won because they looked freaking amazing and they're set up like what's the next goal are we doing another show if you just got your pro card are you doing your pro debut if you just won it overall you going to nationals there's a lot less struggle with my clients between the goals because the thing about the bikini division is there's so many things to be doing right there's the novice there's the open there's the nationals there's the pros there's the olympia like there's so many it's not like you know bodybuilders are going to do a show in the fall every year or a show in the spring no it's like You know, some of my girls are competing in the spring and then I need to break them. And then in the fall, some are taking a year off, some are taking two years off. So having that tool of like, we're starting the improvement season in such a good place that I'm like, man, some of them drop weight after a peak week, you know, it's crazy. So,
0: yeah. That's really interesting to hear about kind of matching the the Friday food on the Saturday, because... My kind of approach towards utilising like the the progressive linear load was almost like once I've come into the show day, like you've stored you've loaded the glycogen, like you've done your job. You're not going to store the glycogen like the food you're eating on show day isn't really impacting your physique apart from the fluid and the sodium. So I tended to have kind of not a lot of food on show day, more like a a low day. Um, Have you found that to work for people, or have you found that actually? The, the reason you repeated the Friday is because sometimes you found by coming back down, it actually did impact the look, even though theoretically yeah. Well, we so might what, yeah. So
1: what I found was happening was because a lot of the shows were switching formats and bikinis always last. Yeah. Always. So if my girl's not getting on stage till one or two o'clock and she's only had two meals and they were kind of small, she might be flattening out. She yeah. might be like, you know, man, you know, she might have woke up on show day down a half pound from the day before even though food was up you know that's very common yeah so you know i started noticing like man they're sending me so i send them a questionnaire for peak week and they're sending me their typical meals and that's kind of what i give them for show day but those show day meals might be way less than they were eating thursday and friday so their digestion is improved They're you know um so yeah the the reason i started doing that was because i'm like man what if we don't go on stage till one or two in the afternoon I don't want to be chasing fullness yeah. Uh, again. And I can, you know, that's the other thing. I, I stay in touch with them all day. If I'm not at the show, I'm on the phone. yeah. And, you know, I typically say like, okay, let's eat every three to four hours. If they say, you know, coach, I'm still kind of full, don't eat, you know, so it's not a one size fits all approach. Cool. It's definitely like, okay, you know, coach, it's been three hours, I'm starving, you know, and I've, i pooped twice today. I'm like, cool, go eat your meal. Right. So it, it, you know, it, it depends on the person.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one big take home as well in that, like not that you've said it, but I know you will be taking kind of visuals. I think you did actually say it, just particularly towards the end of the week where you're getting like post-show view, like uh post training, kind of how they're looking in the morning, yeah. how they're looking. And you're essentially kind of auto-regulating it based off, how they're looking um, versus like you don't have a, like you said, a cookie cutter plan and this is what's allowing you to modify and get the best outcome.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've seen it so many times now. I know what I'm looking for, but yeah, I used to really zoom in on those pictures and be like, what are we seeing now? Um, But now I just, uh, I typically say, I want to see pictures when you wake up, you know, like a typical, you know, first thing in the morning, let's see pictures. And then I would like you to take, and part of the, I have two reasons for this. I say, I would like you to take some workout selfies or some post-workout selfies. The first reason for that is I want to see if they have a pump. I'm looking for some like veins, Yeah. you know, I'm looking for some striations in the shoulders. Um, the other reason is I want them to get some confidence. So I'm like, take some pictures, post it on the internet, get people like, wow, you look crazy. You know? Um, Cause I think sometimes we second guess how good we look, you know, anybody yeah. that's dieted down and done a show, you know, I've definitely taken pictures and looked at them on my phone and been like, Oh, I look like shit. And then six months later, I looked through those pictures. I'm like, God, I remember taking this picture and thinking I looked terrible and I yeah. looked amazing, but your prep goggles, you only see the flaws, the leaner you get, there's a, there's an inverse relationship. The heavier you get, you only see the positives, the leaner you get, you only see the negatives.
0: Absolutely. Paul, I think I could talk to you uh, about this for ages and I'm sure I'll have to invite you back on the podcast, but I just want to say a massive thank you for coming on, taking the time. Uh, I want to make sure if people want to, of course, find out your YouTube, your Instagram, uh, where should they head?
1: Yeah, I mean, the easiest thing is just type in my name. It's good to have a unique name. So it's Paul Ravella, R-E-V-E-L-I-A. That is my YouTube. That is my Instagram. My website is Profizique.com. And we have our own podcast called the Pro Physique Code, which is basically, um, you know, all twenty-something coaches. We kind of randomly discuss different topics. You know, um, if there's something going on, like one of our events, the Olympia, you know, we'll talk about that. But you know, we have such a cool, diverse group of coaches. Some of my coaches focus on like postpartum women. Some focus on, you know, over fifty bodybuilding men. You know, so the nice thing about having the the team of coaches we do is that we have kind of a a specific coach for each niche um a lot of people think of pro physique as like oh it must be a prep business i'm the only fully 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 prep coach right that's just my kind of passion but you know obviously we want to help people in all walks of life um and then my favorite thing coming up right now is our pro physique transformation challenge so last year we gave away fifty thousand dollars each male and female winner took away fifteen thousand dollars cash money um it's 90 days long. It starts in January. And um we provide diet training. We provide a, a private community. We have coaches in there answering questions. Um I'm even thinking about offering like a a reduced price coaching for people that are interested in getting coaching for the you know, like the goal is just to, you know, I think back to the bodybuilding.com days and they had that transformation challenge every year, and that kind of went away. And I thought I'm gonna, I wanna do that. So this is our third this will be our third year doing it. And we had just under 2000 people last time. So I'm hoping we can get to like maybe 3000 this year. Right. You know, um, because the more the entries go up, the more the prize money goes up. So, you know, maybe someday I can give away a hundred thousand dollars, 200,000, something, you know, so the goal, the goal with that is not, you know, it's not a money grab. It's literally just all the money we make from it. We put back into the business for the next one. So we've actually built an app, that is going to be free for the people that are in the transformation challenges here. We haven't even, I'm not even going to say the name of it yet. Cause I don't want to, but we've built an app um, and that's going to be cool.
0: Very cool. That's a, a big amount of prize money. So yeah, definitely if people are interested in that for the new year, they can, hop on that and definitely check out the rest of the pool stuff. And I'll have to check out the podcast actually, because I don't think I've I've actually seen that, but it sounds right up my street. So I'll, I'll be digging into that. Yeah, for I'm sure, pretty Paul. terrible
1: about sharing it. Um, we're going to work on having some guests on in the year ahead. You know, I've had Brett Contreras on and, and Dr. Campbell and, um, you know, Lane just lives around the corner from me and, you know, but he and I just, we don't cross paths that much. You know, we're both so busy with kids yeah. and work and stuff. So I, I've got some friends in cool places that I want to get on the podcast. It's just, yeah, it's, you know,
0: it'll happen everything's
1: everything's super busy which is good but at the same time i want to do more so yeah
0: for sure guys thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you soon take care thanks Dave. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is gonna be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there, you can ask questions, but also you can can log your journey. There's also gonna be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're going to have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're going to go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them, kept them concise, and also mobile friendly, so that you can watch them in between your sets.